match of skills versus requirement, but then to take it one step further, certainly in a candidate short market of are there things that we really would like that if we find somebody who we think could could do the job with some support, some training, what are we willing to do to to invest in that person to, to get them to where we may want them rather than not have anybody in that role? Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. I'm pleased to say that this podcast is brought to you in association with Lodge Court, who are experts in HR support. Are you worrying about employee performance, absences and leave? Are you struggling with attracting and retaining the best talent for your business? I personally know the people at Lodge Court, and they can support you with every people issue you may face. So focus on what you do best and let Logical deliver your HR support as an extension of your business with a tailored, flexible monthly routine package that is right for you and your people. Please do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of Ian Moore on the show. Uh, good morning to you, Ian. Morning, Julian. Good to be here. Yeah, good to see you. It's been a few weeks uh, since I've sort of caught up with you. Uh, you are the founder and MD of Logical Associates, HR provider to SMEs covering people management practices from employment law, policy and contractual employee engagement and development and keeping at the forefront of employment legislation, good practice and business governance. And today we're going to be exploring something I think is quite um, needed right now with companies is how to ensure we can attract the best talents to your business and a candidate a sort of short market. So before we get into that conversation, Ian, what do you love about uh, what you do? That's a great question. I, th- I think it differs by day, which is probably a little bit of a, a cop-out requ- answer. But it's true. It, it It's all about, fundamentally, it's about helping businesses treat their people better. And by doing that, they get more out of them. They get more productivity. They have more engagement. They have more loyalty. And they're good places to work. So for, for me, it's about enabling businesses to to get the best out of their, their the people that they employ because fundamentally that's the biggest cost most organizations have so if you don't treat your people in the right way and develop them then you you, you effectively are losing money before you start so that is what i really enjoy um and then every day is slightly different so whether it's going to see a customer whether it's going to uh, do uh, do something like this uh, I get a kick out of lots of different things, but I, I think fundamentally it's that helping organisations become better. And you're very people-centric and it's all about the people. And that sounds really obvious from a HR point of view, but um, I don't think it always is sometimes. And I think it's important uh, to you know really focus on people because as much as we can have great strategies, can't we, in businesses, uh, if you don't have the right people in the right place, motivated engage all that sort of stuff then you won't deliver any strategy and ultimately grow and develop your business going forward uh, i think that's that's really important and often forgotten about and i think i know my hr experience is almost you you, you came as the emergency when things were all going wrong and i know you're a believer in being more proactive as a hr professional yeah and, and i think that's that's historically where hr is it comes in at the last minute to uh, to fix the problem that uh, has been created um but where we're seeing it now um forward facing organizations forward thinking organizations are are including hr earlier um and and being part of the business strategy 
which is great. So as much as the uh, you know, automation and AI, and I'm sure we've maybe touched on some of that in our conversation today, it is amazing and great. People still buy from people. So, you know, if you go into a restaurant, you might have a great uh, payment experience, but if the service is rubbish, you probably won't go back again. And, and that's because it's the people. It's all down to that people interaction. And uh, I, I don't think it can be underestimated that, at the moment in in any way shape or form Mm, no no i totally agree so just just going back to the whole trying to attract uh, people to your organization can you just just i suppose share some insights into what you believe is what the current state of the job market is and why it's becoming challenging to attract you know decent talent yeah, so, so there's a phrase that we use quite a lot in, when we when we talk about it about uh, we're in a candidate short market, um, and really it's that means that there aren't enough candidates for the the jobs that are out there. So, you know, I think it was last week or earlier this week uh, in the UK, the stats came out. Um, you know, unemployment is at four point two percent, which is about one point four million people are, are registered unemployed, and yet there are over a million open job vacancies. So just from those two statistics alone, you can sort of get an understanding of that there, there are not a greater number of roles out there, a million. It, it sounds a lot, but out of a population, it's probably not not too too great. And equally, you've got about the same number of people who are unemployed. So when you're looking for talent and you're looking to attract people, there is choice out there. People have the opportunity to go and, and be choosy and perhaps not, uh, be as flamboyant in in their choice choices and as they may have been in the future. So we're we're, we're definitely seeing that attracting people is becoming more and more difficult because there's more choice. So you've got to be different different to everybody else whilst you're looking for those those new talents, new skills, um, and wanting to drive that business forwards. So you know, obviously, it, it, it puts the power in the candidates perspective doesn't it in terms of there's more opportunities and they know that they're wanting to be attracted and therefore that the upper hands with them so you know from your experience and working with companies what sort of things can we start to think about doing in terms of strategies to start to i guess firstly i guess try try to attract the talent to start to create that engagement and what have you found to be quite effective yeah Really, it's around the the company brand. So you know, we're always talking about brand, be it a personal brand or, or an, uh, uh, a trend or whatever it might be, but a company brand of why that business is a good place to work is is absolutely critical. Because if you in today's society, it's so easy to check out the brand, is check out the the way in which. Uh, that organization has been scored by the people who, who may be still there or who have left. So it's around getting the, the employee brand out. And today it's around values. It's around uh, having the within, within your employer brand things that people can resonate to. So around sustainability, perhaps around the environment, around uh, working in the community or being innovative. So it's not always around some of the ecological statements. It's also around being innovative, uh, excitement, uh, opportunities for learning. Those sort of values really do resonate with people now. And that can be the difference between accepting job 
with with company a or the job with company b it, it's the uh, subjective things that aren't necessarily in the job contract or the the, the salary that that people go well if i'm going to spend eight hours a day for the sake of arguments working for these people i want something else other than just the the money in the bank at the end of the month so employer brand and being able to position that in a way that reinforces what you're trying to do as a business but also um works on your values as an organization are key because without those you you basically are going to get looked over before anybody actually looks into into you as an organization for that role yeah and i agree i think you know that salary and benefits in some ways are just sort of hygiene factors yeah uh, that's the expectations and uh, people are, are looking for so, so much more than that in an organization you know talking about the values talk about mission purpose uh, and all those sort of areas which create the excitement, the engagement, and the sort of um, wanting to be part of something, to contribute to something that's bigger than just the job they do. Um, what have you found in your experience? Have you got an example where you, either personally in an organization you worked in or ones you've been working with, that you've how they've gone about this branding piece? Because it's not just making a nice sort of uh, website with lots of talk about ESG or innovation or values. It's, it's far more than that, isn't there? Yeah, I, I think we, we did some work with a manufacturing company uh, a, a while back who were, it wasn't the most exciting of businesses to, to work in, but they had a, a talent issue. They had a shortage that uh, they needed to, to fulfill. Um, one of the things that we started to do was to, to harness social media um, in, in a positive way, but to share experiences and stories of the people who were working there and and it went from people who may have been there for 25 30 years to somebody who's only been there three months so having the the, the different insights from from people who were on that journey with that organization at different times became very powerful so those um advocates ambassadors for the business if you like those stories actually uh, paint a, a true picture you always want it to have a positive spin because that makes perfect sense but but don't sugarcoat it so you know if if there are things we, we were working with that were not necessarily at the end of the, the the process to be amazing be honest about it if we're working on this this is what i'm working on we're and one of the things we talked about was uh increasing the 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 speed of the customer journey so because it was it was wasn't particularly good to start with and they're honest about it they were we're in in this journey to get it better come and join us make it better help mm. us develop this so so that actually then resonates with people because there's a there's a level of uh, transparency and truth but there's also a, a piece around realism and and hearing what people actually think um but also when you go into that interview process is to be able to reinforce the messages that you put out in the public domain need to be demonstrated when people come to have that interview or a, a site visit or whatever it may be because mm. otherwise you, you're you're saying what you, it's a marketing spiel versus reality so it's that consistency um mm. and that worked really well and, and then to actually as part of the interview process or the selection process is is for them to be able to candidates to talk to people who are doing the jobs uh, and get the warts and all maybe not too many of the warts, but certainly a, a good selection of the good and the 
the the the challenges that that you can face when you come and join it and be honest about it mm. and i think that's becoming more and more prevalent today because recruiting people is expensive uh, not only for uh, agency fees but also lost productivity whilst you've got a gap if you sell if you sell uh, a dream and then they turn it, it they arrive and it's actually a nightmare those individuals will leave quite quickly and therefore you've lost more time and effort and mm. money than you perhaps should be so honesty is quite good so so those real life interactions has been quite powerful uh, mm. and you see quite a lot of organizations now you're doing those through uh you know meet meet the team all that type of stuff yeah and i think social media has certainly opened that up more and i know more and more people will not just check out the website they'll check out the people who work there on linkedin they'll see what they post they'll check out other social media sort of platforms and um it's interesting because I, I i did i worked with a company a few years ago and uh, i interviewed the ceo on on the um, on my podcast uh, which is another good way of like you're doing uh, of exposing who you are as an individual your values people get to know you and it got huge amount of hits certainly on the youtube side of things and it was interesting because when they were interviewing people um he wasn't directly involved in some some interviews people had already watched that interview and understood a bit more about the company the values from this guy who was the ceo and it's an interesting one and i thought that's quite powerful actually is doing more and more that uh, is getting on podcasts, sharing a bit more of that personal side. So I think often companies get caught up with using their sort of branded page on LinkedIn as opposed to their personal page. And, and it goes back to the what we start at the very start, people buy people. They don't buy brands as such. They buy the people, don't they? Absolutely. And, and you know, it's certainly you see that through uh, communication internally with organizations. It, sometimes it's far more powerful for uh, a quick business update video from the, the the leader, the MD, on the train into into the office to say you know, that this is the latest uh, sales stats. Well done, everybody. That's great, and just put it out on you know, taking it on his phone or her phone rather than having a polished corporate video. So that that can be more powerful because mm. they've taken the time to do that. And, and that then just, as you rightly say, adds that human element to everything that people go, yeah, th this is a people-centric organization. Um, they're real people. Um, and can I, do I think I will fit in there from my personality, uh, et cetera? So these are all, pos all positive ways of uh, increasing that attraction to an organization. And as, as I said, it doesn't need to be uh, you know, uh, movie standard production necessarily. Mm. It, it needs to it needs to have the right messages and look look good, but it doesn't need to be a high high quality in that sense. So, and people are searching that they will do their research before they turn up. Um, and again, what is we're seeing now, interestingly, is that a lot of organisations are starting to provide information as part of the selection process of topics they want to discuss. So it, it's preempting some of the questions and giving people the time to really think about what they can add the value to or, or whatever, rather than it just being a straightforward uh, surprise question 
and you're having to think on your feet because mm-hmm. the new generation generation Z don't work in that way. So again, it, it's being flexible. So s- slightly off the point of that attraction, yeah, but it's about being more candidate focused than perhaps people were in the past. Yeah, and I, I think that's still. I think it's still part of attraction because that, that attraction piece is not just the the sort of the branded, the social media, the, the external piece is also when people then interact with the organisation. That's all because it's not. It's still attraction until they say yes, they're going to join you, uh, and in some ways, the element of um, continuous creating advocates in your business that you will then talk about how great this business is and how great the people are which will attract even more because that's like a snowball effect. Uh, when you know an organization is doing really well, the organization's people will start to pull people in because they want people to work there because it's great. Um, so getting to that point of the process, when people do get to that interview and that whole, what sort of things should a hiring manager think about at that point? Because it's still in the attraction phase, isn't it? Yeah, it's being clear what you want that role to do. Um, and it, there's, there's, that's the first thing is what is it you actually want that role to do and, and what type of skills do you need in order to, to facilitate that? And that's really important. So it's that match of skills versus requirement. But then to take it one step further, certainly in a candidate short market of are there things that we really would like that if we find somebody who we think could could do the job with some support, some training, uh, what are we willing to do to to invest in that person to, to get them to where we may want them rather than not have anybody in that role? So that is a different way of thinking about it. So mm. what, are, what are the mandatory things that you have to be able to do, but what are the things that perhaps you could you could learn or or you could be um taught over a period of time that if you're not an immediate fit you will be in six months um because you you have to have a little more flexibility in your thought process the other part is is around that whole candidate experience when they when they from the moment that they send the cv in uh, or the application form through to the um, the, the interview process and and then to the offer process, all of those needs needs to be really streamlined. Mm. And the piece that I'm an advocate for is those who you turn down need to be treated in the same way as those who you take through to each stage of the process. Mm. There's nothing more frustrating than being able to send in a an application form and hear nothing, uh, and that then has a negative brand effect to you as an organization. So Mm -hmm. being able to, and automation and AI and uh, all these systems now make that much more, much easier, but to treat everybody in, in a, in a way that they are updated and feel involved, even if it's bad news and they haven't got any further, Mm -hmm. that is a positive um, interaction with an organization rather than it just Mm -hmm. being, I've sent stuff in, I don't hear about it. But with the people you do take through to make it, you know, as quick as possible, not just lengthy delays. Um, and key is not to, not to rearrange stuff, which people's diaries are very busy, but actually you need to commit to this. And uh, we see this quite often with some of our clients of 
that they're they're all over it for recruiting and then something comes into the diary and they just change that change everything and and therefore you've lost days or weeks or whatever it might be so it's it's really mapping out what you want to do and sticking to your timeline and then treating people with respect Mm. and and it's coming from a mindset that's not arrogance that we've got this role and well aren't we amazing that you can come and work for us it's it's changing it not as a you know, completely. Oh, we're, we we need people. We're desperate, but more of a actually a, a mindset. I want to attract people. I want to attract good people to this business, uh, rather than an arrogance and then treating people. And and I think that experience piece, I think, is often forgotten about. It becomes very process driven, and actually, we're dealing with human beings that more matter about how you make them feel rather than what you've even said to them. To be honest. And I think that's what we need to think more about is this experience, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's it, it's also around understanding what the what you need, but also having an open mind that when you do talk to somebody, you go, oh, actually, I hadn't thought about maybe doing it that way. So maybe I need to change what we're looking for a little bit because because I've not thought of it that way. So mm-hmm. it, it's an iterative process. It's, n- it's not necessarily being, you know, I, I need a blue, a blue square block to go into this, into this wall. It's actually, I might be able to go away with a rectangle because I've not thought about that before. So it's about being um, flexible on both sides. Um, and often mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we see people that are, aren't quite what we're looking for when we're working with a client. But then you go. Actually, they've got something else. So, you know, is well, you're looking for something else as well? So, can can we perhaps change what we're looking for a little bit, uh, and then get a good person? And we need to rearrange what the what we're going to be recruiting for as an organisation. And it almost comes down to this whole view of recruiting for more attitude versus skill. Yeah. I, mean, I yeah. appreciate we need elements of skill to do certain yeah. roles. Um, have you got an example where you work with a company where they had a, a fixed role sort of process uh, what they wanted in mind, but actually ended up tweaking it or slightly changing it. Yeah. It, in some of the um, data driven businesses at times uh, it can be very, and which is industry specific can be very difficult for people to be able to, to separate industry knowledge and um, skills. And they're looking for, we would call it the unicorn person that there's probably only four in the world who can do this role um you employ two of them and the other two used to work for you but you annoyed them that much they left that that's where we're we've had a couple of those and we we had we we worked with a business earlier in the year which which was in that mindset and it was really took a, a period of time for them to understand that they needed to give up on something they needed to have a level of flexibility in what they were looking for Otherwise, they wouldn't have filled the role. And the key thing there was that they'd spent over a year waiting for somebody to come into this job. So then you can have a very different conversation. So if you've waited a year for somebody and you've still continued to manage it, are you looking for the right person? So what can we do to tweak it? So mm. is there? it goes back to really being that flexibility again. Yeah, if we've got somebody with 80% of the skills and 80% of the experience, can we teach them the remaining 20% that you really want? And, and that took some time to get there. 
in the end they went yeah maybe we need to give this a shot and and the person they recruited wasn't as effective as perhaps they might have the business might have thought they would have been on day one but over a period of time that effectiveness and contribution increased because that person grasped and understood the skill sets because they chose somebody who had the ability and mm. the um the 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 desire to learn so so therefore they, they won but it took them about 18 months to fill that role that's a long time i mean i, mean, I know recruitment you know anywhere from three six months is sort of yeah. normal but 18 months is a, a long time and i know when i years ago i was i was recruiting for somebody i was quite specific on the role i wanted the skills it was quite a senior role and um somebody came to me and the recruiter convinced me to see this person i was like i'm not so sure they didn't quite have the experience i wanted but when i saw them they had a it was the attitude piece they had the yeah. huge amount of ability to learn and they had some transferable skills that were, were valid as well and actually i went say so took a risk it wasn't a risk as such but i sort of shifted myself and actually it proved to be actually quite a positive hire and they actually brought a lot more than somebody who'd been more honed into that area actually because they came from a different perspective and so that was really quite helpful to have that sort of shift sometimes and i think when we start seeing candidates i think we've got to start sort of shaping our mind we've got some core things i think to think about but actually being a bit more flexible isn't it yeah it, it's being flexible but it, it's also um you've got to stay true to what you want as well to a level of extent from a business perspective you can't just give everything away but there, there has to be it's, it's like any any sales scenario there's a negotiation on both sides and perhaps that's the way of looking at it of you know the individual negotiating what they can do and what they can't do and you need to negotiate and what you are requiring and what you will live without for a period of time mm. And if you can get to a, an amicable solution, then why wouldn't you give it a shot? Um, because they're committing to it as well. And if they are lacking in a, a skill set that you think is important, or is to be honest about that conversation, you, you, we really want to work with you, but there's, you need to commit that this um, this level of skill that you, you you can't yet demonstrate that you're going to commit to with our support to learn to develop in. And as long as you've got that two-way agreement and two-way commitment, then I think you're probably better off hiring 85% of the right person and teaching the remaining 15% than mm. not having anybody in that role for yeah. a period of time because you can't find the unicorn. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. And, and as we as we sort of look ahead um, and sort of, I guess what, what are sort of the trends that you foresee uh, in the recruitment landscape, and and how can businesses prepare and navigate uh, for those sort of challenges ahead? I think that a lot of businesses need to start taking the the viewpoint that when they recruit, certainly when they recruit uh, Generation Z, um, and I, I know you know previous podcast you were talking about to manage uh, and engage with Generation Z. Um, People need to understand that that commitment for life or that commitment for 10, 15 years of working in an organization isn't going to be there per se going forward. So it's almost planning. You recruit and then you need to start thinking, what if that person leaves and what if we mm. do something else? It is to be a little bit more proactive going forward to, to actually have that um, understanding that, you know, the way that I always looked at it when, when we recruit people is if I get two years out of an individual, 
that would have repaid my effort, my recruitment cost, and would have, that individual should have delivered value to that business. If they stay longer, then that's great. That's brilliant. But if as long as they stay for a two-year period, and it's an arbitrary number, mm-hmm. then I'm okay with that because they've committed, we've committed, and, and off you go. I think organizations need to really understand that they're not going to have that job for life mentality anymore and that they need mm. to constantly be thinking about the what if. So if we lost this person, what would I do? And it's that resource planning, contingency planning uh, that um, the businesses need to think about on the people side and not only on the IT or the premises side or perhaps on the mm. side. It's about the people side and that needs to be coming far more into your overall business planning and risk assessments going forwards as well. Mm. Yeah, it's been proactive in terms of organizational design, isn't it? What 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 are the where are you going as a business? What people do you need? What resources people do? Where are people at in terms of their talents, in terms of their own developments, their own stage of their career? And it's it's as you can't guess everything, but as you say almost the what if scenarios. Yeah. And I used to always like when, when people did leave, hopefully left for a positive reason it always represented an opportunity for me to think about differently rather than just replace somebody directly actually is a way of things doing things differently here. And I always thought, could we change that role? Could we move things around? And I think it's thinking that way as well, is it not always just, Oh, we've had somebody in a, and therefore they will replace an A, but actually somebody in a B might be more appropriate now for our business. Absolutely. And it's about, you know, it it is a much wider conversation around company culture and, and, uh, how you treat people and, and the way in which you behave as, as leaders, middle leaders or w- whatever. Uh, it Because you need to then retain the talent, which is a completely, it's, it's very much related, but it's a different conversation to some extent. But you need to be true to what you sold them at interview. And it always goes back to you know, uh, one of the questions I always ask when, when we recruit, you know, after the, the three-month probation review or the six-month review, yeah, one of the questions I always ask is, so did I, what I sold you at interview, is that actually reality? And if I get a, yeah, more or less you are spot on, then that's, that's great. If they go, mm. no, it's completely different. Then I failed as a, as a recruiter um, mm. because I've sold them something that wasn't reality. Now, sometimes you sell them something that turns out differently for business reasons and that can be a positive, but really from an integrity point of view, I think you need to be selling the skill, the role and the organization and that when they arrive and when I mean, you have that update conversation, 80% of it is true, then mm. actually you've done a good job. And and the, if they stay, then they've accepted it as well. So you've done everything that you possibly can. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, well, thank you for your insights, uh, Ian. It's been great uh, to have a conversation of how to attract uh, best talent. I think it's certainly a challenge, and it's a challenge that's not going away. Um, and I think companies need to think a bit more about certainly the experience, about personal branding uh, as well, as well as that whole being more flexible in terms of how they sort of um, fit suit roles within that organisation and just having a different mindset. If people want to engage with you, get in touch with you, what's the best way of doing that? Uh, best way is uh, very active on LinkedIn. Um, alternatively, uh, you can check us out on at lodgecourt.com uh, or if you want to drop me an email, that's ian at lodgecourt.com. 
and be delighted to uh, to share people's feedbacks and their own experiences of of attracting talent because this is why this podcast is so great sharing information sharing knowledge and experiences and uh, be great to see whether anything's resonated or or, or perhaps uh, we've people got great in, innovative ideas that we can uh, we can collaborate and use as well so that'd be really cool excellent well thank you for your time today you're welcome julian good to see you as ever thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode if you like this episode then please rate review and share it with your friends and colleagues as a coaching practice i coach high performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions and it will help you go beyond what you believe is possible if this sounds like you then let's have a conversation you can contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com Thank you.